Okay, praise the Lord. In this series of messages, we have looked at a number of things in the last six weeks or so that are related to these changing times that we live in. Each of us is affected by change. Whether we like it or not, we are affected by it, especially when it attacks truth, righteousness, and integrity. Because all of those things, those attacks on those things, can cause anxiety and fear. When we see the truth being mocked, when we see the truth being turned into a lie, and we see lies being turned and, and promulgated as the truth, or promoted as the truth, it can cause anxiety, especially if we are oriented in the truth. We know God's Word is truth. And I believe those of us who are here today and many who will be listening online are, in fact, rooted in that truth of God's Word. Remaining solidly planted in God's Word enables us to adapt in changing times. And we can adapt without compromising our faith. God's Word is vital to survival. Please don't do that. God's Word empowers us to live our life like Christ from here to eternity. We need to be firmly rooted and planted in Christ and planted in God's Word. It's critical. And we offer our physical bodies, as the Word tells us in one of the messages that we delivered here in this sanctuary over the last six weeks, talked about us offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. It's our reasonable service. And this is through dedication to repentant, holy living. Each of us is transformed by the renewing of our mind. Humankind's struggle for freedom will go on until Christ returns. We know that. We know that. We want to be set free from all of the things that are opposite of God. And that struggle continues until Christ returns. But there's a world leader who's emerging who will demand worship. We covered this in one of the messages. Everyone must understand that we are instructed, and not only instructed, but authorized to refuse to worship anyone or anything other than Almighty God. Amen? And the strength of mind to do so, the strength of mind that's going to be required for us to refuse to worship that one who demands worship, that strength of mind must be built now. If we're here, and I don't know that we will be, but if we are here, we need to be prepared to say no. I will not bow down, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said no. And they did not bow down. And yes, they had to go through a fire, in a fiery furnace, so hot that the people who threw them in died. But by God, they remained alive. Everyone has to be understanding that we are authorized to say no. Now, Almighty God's our strength in changing troubling times. We, we covered that last week. We can have the soundness of mind that David had when fighting Goliath. He wasn't afraid because he knew that the fear-mongering enemies are fighting God. Oh, they were casting fear, and all of the Israelites were really afraid. And here comes this little boy, David, teenager, no doubt. He says, I'm not afraid of them. God is with us. 
Why are you afraid? God is with us. And God took that stone out of that sling and he hit that giant right in the forehead and dropped him to the ground where David could lop off his head with his own sword. We need to understand this, folks. God is in control, even when the enemy makes it look as if he's not. Almighty God's our strength. We must always remember that it's God's battle. It's not ours. We can be sure of God's power and strength to protect us and take out the enemy. We can be sure of that. Now, does that mean that there's no casualties in the war? That's not true. We know that's not true. We have a record of martyrs, and there are people that are giving their life for Christ all over the world, even today. But what it means is we do not need to fear. In fact, the Scripture teaches us to be not afraid. Be not afraid. We need to lock this in our mind and know that His protection is everlasting. And see, that's the key. Even if God allows us to go into the furnace, even if God would have allowed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to perish in that furnace, furnace, they would have had everlasting life. But at that time, God didn't allow them to perish. In fact, we see the image of the fourth individual in that fiery furnace who Nebuchadnezzar described as an image of the Son of God. And so we know that Christ is with us if, in fact, He is in us. And we'll get there in this message. And God's Word will strengthen us. All the previous messages this year have led us right here today. God's Word, as I said, will strengthen us, but not just physically. God's Word will strengthen us against anxiety. God's Word will strengthen us against fear. This is important today, folks, because there is a massive campaign on in the world to make everybody afraid. And we need to be not afraid. We're going to see that Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of love. Fear is the opposite of having a sound mind. I want us to open the Word of God to the second letter of Paul to Timothy. We're going to read the first 12 verses, and that you'll find if you want to open it in the book there that you have, the Bible, you can open to page 1824. And if you don't want to open a book, that's fine. We put it up on the screen to make it easy for you. But you can follow along to see that it actually is in the book. 1824. We're going to read the first 12 verses of 2 Timothy chapter 1. And this, before we get started, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify your name. We ask, Lord God, that you and you alone would be glorified in the reading and hearing of your word. Use it to strengthen us in the power of your might, that we might all, Lord, walk as your word teaches us to walk. I pray this all in Christ's name. Give me unction to speak, Lord. Take me and use me. I surrender to you, completely yielding to you alone for your strength to deliver this message that I believe you have prepared. I pray this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Paul, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't walk with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ knocked him down on the road to Emmaus. And he said, now you're going to be an apostle. Paul was a murderer of Christians. Do you think God can't use you? If he can use a murderer, he can use anybody, okay? According to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Timothy was a young man. Paul had brought him to the faith. He became a preacher. And no doubt he was being criticized by people older than him. Old people like me. Now, I would never do that. If one of these young men became a preacher, I would encourage them in the word, much as Paul did to Timothy. We also know that there was a man named Mark, young man. And Paul, they were getting stoned. Whenever they'd preach, they were getting ridiculed. And that young man wasn't able to, to take it. And he took off. But Timothy here, we see Paul pushing him spiritually to stay strong in the faith, okay? This is the, the backdrop to this letter. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And I pray that for each of you. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve. Who does he serve? God. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. And here we get a hint. Timothy's a young guy. He's being persecuted to some degree, and it's causing him even to go to crying, to, to crying out to God. And there are times whenever I find myself at that brink of crying where I say, God help us. That I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. So we know this young man had faithful, at least a faithful mother and grandmother. And I am persuaded is in you also. So then he reinforces that. I saw the faith of your mother. I saw the faith of your grandmother, and I see that faith in you. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. And there we see that his, he was brought into being a preacher by the laying on of hands. Somebody, probably Paul, maybe other elders in that particular congregation laid hands on this young man and called for God to fill him with his spirit and take him down that road that was no doubt treacherous in those days. Now, who gives the Holy Spirit? Does a man give the Holy Spirit? Or does God give the Holy Spirit? God gives the Holy Spirit. But we are called to lay hands upon those that are sent into ministry. Therefore, he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we see three things that are opposite of fear. We see three things that fear opposes. Fear opposes the power of God. 
Fear opposes love. Fear opposes a sound mind. And therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Now that we see Paul is a prisoner when he wrote this letter. Nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Now, we see Paul telling him, look, I know you're in trouble. I know things are happening. I know you're being despised. And in other places in his writings, he actually says those things. He said, but I want you to share in this. Don't give up. Don't run away. Don't let fear take you out of your role. The sufferings for the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And there we see the calling of God upon each and every believer. Before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Now, we see those who talk about the fivefold ministry because Paul also talks about five offices, if you will, apostle, the, the pastor, the teacher, the uh, evangelist. The preacher, the teacher. Did I get them all? I don't know. Anyway, here's three. Paul says God made him three of the five. And so we know that sometimes God does take one man and give him more of those roles. There are some who say he doesn't. That's why I have to put that in there. Sorry. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. He's persuaded that God will keep what's been committed to him until that day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Keep us, Lord, with your word, I pray in Christ's name. Thank you for taking a hold of my lips, my tongue, my mouth, every part of me, Lord, because I yield to you for your service. I pray, Lord, now that you would open our minds and our ears to hear, that your spirit would pour out upon us as we hear from your word today and all of God's people said, amen. In this passage, we hear several ideas. I've expounded upon some of them, and I didn't do the one very much, that really jumped out at me. Because all of these things are important to believers, but that one really stands out right now. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. It's important for us to lock this fact in our minds. God has not given us a spirit of fear. The first part of that passage 
gives a plain truth. It's not God who has given us a spirit of fear. Can you say this with me? God has not given us a spirit of fear. Therefore, we know that the widespread spirit of fear is not from God. And we know who it's from then, don't we? From the enemy, the enemy of souls. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. It's the enemy who has driven fear into the hearts of men. He and his helpers use a variety of ways and means to whip up this frenzy of fear. And there's a large majority of people who are now in a perpetual state of fear. It's unfortunate, but it's a reality. And it's a reality that the body of Christ must address. Be not afraid. And I've been preaching this for two years, folks. When this whole thing broke out, God took me into his word, and I started to preach exactly that. Be not afraid. And people were like, how, what do you mean? How, how do you can be not afraid? You know, the whole world's going to die. Like, be not afraid. Pay attention to God's word. Don't pay attention to that wizard who's on that screen trying to scare everybody. And then you see that these people who are whipped in this perpetual state of fear are also using drugs or alcohol, television, movies, and other forms of media. And those things are also used to drive that perpetual state of fear. Anytime I've watched a movie, I look, I, I analyze it. My wife can't stand watching movies with me. She can't stand watching anything that's media with me. Because I point it out. Look at that. It's right there. Look at that. It's right there. I see it. And I point it out. It's ridiculous. But it is there. And people are being driven to fear, fear of the unknown, fear of these imaginary things, because it's all imagination. None of it is real that's projected on those screens. It's not real. And now with this computer-generated graphics stuff that they're doing, they can do anything. 3D stuff. Next thing you know, it's going to be, what's it called, holograms? It's already in the works. It's just a matter of time before that hologram comes up to bow and worship me. We are certainly in the midst of a virulent plague of fear. It's a plague of fear. It's a man-made plague of fear. It's being generated from the very pits of hell. It's not of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The enemy controls many aspects of modern life that are used to create and perpetuate and sustain anxiety, fear, panic, and terror. And that's what's happening, folks, and the body of Christ is being affected. I can't tell you how many times I have interacted with a brother or a sister in Christ, or at least presumably a brother or sister in Christ, and they've been overwhelmed with anxiety, overwhelmed with fear. I mean to the point of being crippled mentally. I interact with these people, and I'm like, what are you afraid of? Oh, this and that, and this and that, and this and that, and it's the end of the world. Well, it might be, and if it is, praise God, because we win. It's 
Is it any wonder that people do not want to live? Especially young people. You know, suicide rates are going through the roof. Very intense. The suicide rates have skyrocketed in the last two years. Is it any wonder that drug and alcohol abuse rates have rapidly increased in the recent years among all age groups? Not just certain age groups. Across the board. Is it any wonder why the rate of elder abuse has risen dramatically and domestic abuse has risen? Is it any wonder? People are afraid. And they won't turn the television off. They got a television in every room. Blast in fear. Be afraid. Be very afraid. You must be afraid. And that's what it is. It's fear mongering. And every bit of it is to take your soul out of the comfort and protection of Almighty God and into the very depths of hell because you don't believe. And if you don't believe, you don't walk by faith. You walk by sight. And when you walk by sight, you are deceived. Is any wonder people of all ages are having stress-related health complications, even formerly healthy people because stress is a result of fear anxiety the fear mongering is no accident it's organized it's deliberate it's methodical and by and large it's controlling the population of the world we have never in history seen where the whole world has cooperated on anything but on this we have on this we have We know our Lord warned this time would come. He said perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of their own selves, lovers of money rather than God, lovers of pleasure. And that's no doubt a big part of what's driving this. Get everyone afraid and sell them something. That's what it comes down to, folks. It's about money. And control, power, because people, when they have a lot of money, they don't need any more money. They want control. And how are they dominating and controlling people if not by fear? Think about it. And I heard another preacher, I don't remember his name now, but I heard another preacher say this. He said, if you're in a bank and somebody walks in with a gun, they pull out the gun and say, everybody on the floor. Everybody without a gun gets on the floor, right? But if everybody in there had a firearm and pull it out and said, no, you get on the floor. Because fear motivates people to action. And so those who are driving fear are motivating action to profit themselves. Our Lord also promised to be with his people to the end. Do we really believe that? Do we really trust it? Are we walking by faith and not by sight? Or are we walking by fear and fright? That's a valid question. And I'm not picking on any of you, okay? I don't know any of you well enough to know where you are in, in, in as far as your mindset is concerned and whether or not you are actually walking by faith or fear. I don't. But I have to preach this because this is what God gave me this week. And it all lines up with what we've been preaching. Last week I talked about the fear and we're not, we're not to have fear because we have the strength of God. But now God wrapped it up here, I think. I'm not sure we're going to have another 
message in this changing time series, although we may, I'm not sure, but I think we are going to have more messages that counter fear biblically. That fear mongering is no accident. The Lord didn't say he might be with us. He said he will, amen? He will. I will be with you. It's written in Philippians chapter 4 that Paul testified, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, which means humiliated, lowered, degraded. And I know how to abound, which means to thrive and have plenty. I said that to a doctor one time. I took our daughter, this was a number of years ago, maybe 10 Took our daughter to the doctor at a children's hospital, and I forget what it was. I might have, ooh, groaned or something whenever I stood up or, saw, or I sat down. I don't know, because I've got aches. And uh, he said, what's the matter? Are you in pain? I said, yes. He said, do you take anything for that? And I said, no. Why not? I said, what am I going to take? <laughs> well, he started naming some things, and I said, I don't have any medical insurance. You don't have any medical insurance? It's like, <laughs> I said, no, I don't have any medical insurance. He said, well, let me prescribe you something. <laughs> so when I, took a, I, I took the prescription to the pharmacy, and they said, what's a children's hospital doctor doing prescribing you medicine? So I had to tell them the whole story. I never did take, I never took one of those tablets. That's just a funny anecdote, I guess. But here as we go on in that passage, Everywhere and in all things, Paul says, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Now, he would deliberately be hungry by fasting. And anybody who's ever fasted knows that's a deliberate choice, and you've got to strengthen yourself for it. And it's a step-by-step process. Stop one meal. Don't try to go for three weeks without eating. Stop one meal. Get the strength up to do a second meal. And then maybe for a while, just eat one meal a day before you get down to zero meals. Fasting and prayer is an incredible spiritual discipline that can help you overcome fear, by the way. Anyway, another side note there. As we go on with Paul's writing, he said, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he gives that peace to the resistance. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did he say some things? Did he say most things? Did he say many things? What did he say? All things. All things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we don't like to think of like, okay, well, I might have to go hungry. I can do that through Christ who strengthens me. I might have to be broke, but I can do that through Christ who strengthens me. I might have to go without lights. I might have to find another source of heat. You know, we don't think about those things, but that's all in there. I might have to be humiliated. Who wants to be humiliated? Show of hands. I don't see any. Notice mine didn't go up either. No, we don't want that. None of us want that. Not deliberately, not intentionally. But it might happen because of our stand with Christ. And we need to be not afraid. It's the essence of walking by faith and not fear. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Please repeat that with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. The strength and love of Christ who resides within you enables and empowers you to overcome anxiety and fear which are without you. Christ in you empowers you to overcome anxiety and fear. Now, there are times whenever we adopt that anxiety. I've wrestled with anxiety from time to time. This was an anxious week for me. So many things happen. I'm like, Lord, can we like just pump our brakes on the things happening? <laughs> I got a lot of stuff I got to take care of here. Our son was going to work the other day. I'm preparing to to give food away. I had to go pick food up, and then we had to distribute it on Friday. And he called, and he says, Dad, what are you doing? I said, well, not much, just uh, going to collect up some food, and then we're going to give it away. And he said, my car broke down on Route 28. The engine blew. I think, okay, we're down to one car ourselves. We have another one, but it wasn't inspected for a number of reasons, and we just let it sit because I didn't have time to work on it. He said, well, we can give him that car, then we'll truly be down to one car. <laughs> Well, praise the Lord, all right? We don't have that backup plan anymore. <laughs> but anyway, side notes. The pervasive spirit of fear is opposite clear commands of God. God's Word tells us 28 times, be not afraid. Nine of those are in the New Testament, and many of those nine are to his disciples who were following him at that time. Be not afraid. It is I. After he arose, he had to tell him a number of times, be not afraid. It is I. It's me, guys. Okay, don't be afraid. It's me. They were cowering in fear. They were afraid. Thought they saw a ghost. But in one of those times, we hear the Lord say, Something that applies to all of us, all believers through all time. And I say unto you, my friends, this is written in Luke chapter 12, be not afraid of them that kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed has power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. In other words, fear God only. Fear God only. And see, the enemy of God, Hasatan, his Hebrew name, he wants you to be afraid of him. Oh, there's a healthy fear because he has power. And if we are in sin, we're opening the door to let him in to our lives. This is why it's so important for us to walk repentant lives. If we sin, we turn to God. I'm sorry I made a mistake. I erred. Whatever it is, please help me. Strengthen me not to do that again. Because I don't want the enemy of souls to come into my life. This, as we see Christ's words there, is a call to faith. It empowers believers to maintain fidelity to Almighty God no matter what anyone says or does because there will come a time and there will be believers here because the Scripture shows us there will be believers on earth at that time. There will be a time whenever someone, some power, some 
authority says bow down and worship and take this mark. And we need to be having the strength of mind to say no, no matter what happens. We need to understand that we are to fear God above all others. And they will try to drive fear to make you act in the way that they want you to act. And that's why I think this whole thing that we've seen over the last couple of years has just been a primer for the pump, just to see, okay, who's going to give in right away and who can we work on a little bit more? That's what I think it was. And God's Word gives us a rallying, a rallying call to fearless living as we fulfill our roles as members of the body of Christ, as Christ's followers, carrying out His commission of love. See, and, and I know that, what is it, tomorrow there's that holiday, the secular holiday is called, the, what, Valentine's Day? St. Valentine, apparently, some guy named Valentine and all that kind of stuff. I've done messages on that and expounded upon how that came about and where it came from and all that. And I'm not going to do that today, but I am letting you know that God has given us a commission of love. We are to love God first and love our neighbor as ourselves. We are to love one another, brothers and sisters. And the enemy wants to drive anything in between us to keep us from loving each other. The enemy wants to stop us from loving God because that's where the power comes from. The enemy wants to drive us into seclusion in fear. The enemy wants to lock us down with fear, anxiety, terror. That's a big word. It's been running around for about, what, uh, 20 years or so? Praise God. My preaching against succumbing to the fear machine is pro-Christ. Me preaching right now against that fear machine is pro-Christ, but it's also anti-enemy. It's pro-love, anti-fear. I want you to remember what's written in Ephesians chapter 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The rulers of darkness want to keep you in fear. The rulers of darkness want nothing to interfere with their psychological fear-mongering. Nothing. Not even yours truly. Rulers of darkness want nothing to stop their darkness. But we, who have the light of Christ, are to shine that light upon that darkness, no matter what the consequences may be. And we see that in Paul's life. We see that in Timothy's life. Whenever Paul was writing to Timothy, Paul was in jail. Timothy was being beat up by people for preaching the truth for bringing the light to shine on the darkness. All over the world, though, we're seeing a turnaround. Even though many are paralyzed in and by fear, there's a vast multitude that's rising up to conquer that fear. The spiritual wickedness in high places wants total dominance over human souls. And what better way than to use fear? paralyzing people all over the world 
People were rising up in massive numbers to stand for freedom, liberty, and justice for all. It's happening, folks. And the mainstream media doesn't report on it unless they're putting it in a disparaging light. And I've seen both sides. You make a trip to Canada. You can do that on the Internet now, you know. You can actually see what's going on on the ground, even though the news people and their prime minister are saying this is a violent protest. It's an insurrection. The people are cleaning up the streets. They've got bouncy houses for their kids. They've actually have their children there with them. It's not what it's being portrayed to be. The people are tired of giving in to the fear, and they're standing up. They're standing up all over the world. Australia. I saw a, a drone, I saw some drone footage of a, a march in Australia on the capital. Millions of people marching to say, stop. We are not going to take this anymore. People in other countries are doing the same thing. And there is talk of it happening here in this country. I don't know if it'll materialize. But I'll tell you verbally that I'll support those people. Because enough is enough. I don't want anybody to be lost in fear. I want you to walk by faith. I believe that's what God wants. His word makes that clear. But you know, freedom, liberty, and justice for all will not be fully engaged and maintained until Christ returns to set up his kingdom here on earth. Because until then, any gains that are made will only be temporary because human powers and authorities are corruptible. But is that to stop us? If it was, then these United States of America would never have formed. Because these United States of America were formed on the principles of liberty and justice for all. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And now before anybody gets riled up, wait a minute, Pastor, there, there are healthy fears now. Let me tell you, I, I comprehend that. I really do. I'm not one to walk off a cliff and say, well, God will take care of me. God will take care of me. No. I'm not going to pick up a snake and say, okay, uh, bite me, snake. I know you're poisonous, but God's going to take care of me. No, that's not going to happen. There are some who do that, but that's not me. I have that healthy fear. You know, the healthiest fear that we can have is fear of God. It's reverential fear. We know as our Lord spoke and we read in Luke's gospel record that we're to fear Him, fear God. We have a healthy fear for personal safety, but that doesn't get in between us fearing God first and foremost. I don't step out in front of a fast-moving vehicle in traffic. I won't step out in front of any vehicle in traffic. I got hit by a car once. I didn't like it. I still live with the consequences of that one. It wasn't my fault. I had pulled off the side of the road, opened up my door to get back into the vehicle after checking for the noise it was making, and the guy came up on the wrong side of the road, drunk, and he hit me. So sure, we have a healthy fear for personal safety. We don't purposely eat things that can cause death. We don't drink things that would cause death intentionally. 
We don't willingly engage in spiritual warfare unprepared either. Because the Lord tells us to put on the whole armor of God, and that armor is Christ. And we'll look at that maybe this year at some point in time. And we don't willingly, eagerly sin against God after becoming born again. That is dangerous. And there are people that do. Sometimes healthy fear moves us to protect ourselves from harmful people, too. And all of us have learned to protect ourselves from those who are unkind or cruel. Social media has a term for this. Anybody know what it is? Unfriending. (laughs) Unfriending. But the fear that Paul spoke of in his letter to Timothy is unhealthy fear that's pushed upon us by the enemy of souls. And this kind of fear reduces godly power to defeat it by weakening our mind. And why? Because fear overrides love by reducing or conquering faith. Fear turns us away from God to follow anything but Christ. I've seen people cower in fear. I have seen it personally. I've seen people run away in fear. Those with unsound minds tremble in fear of imaginary issues and problems. Those things that are unknown. As a child, we might be concerned about the things that are unknown because we go into a dark room. We're like, oh, my. And sometimes, you know, even as adults, we might walk into a dark room and wonder if we're going to stumble on something. It's the fear of the unknown. Those with unsound minds enrich the pharmaceutical industry. The Bible records times when the enemies of God became so afraid that they ran away and some even destroyed themselves. We see that when David slew Goliath, the enemy troops ran and were overcome by God's people. That's found in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And then after Gideon's meager army confused the enemy masses, the enemy troops killed each other. See, that's unhealthy fear. But God used it to his advantage to protect his people because that was God who was fighting his enemies. A sound mind operates in moderation and self-control. I know I'm going a little long today, folks, but this is really important that we get this. It's the opposite of enemy thought control or domination by fear. It's also the opposite of self-indulgence in forbidden fruit. And I'm not going to go into a long sermon about that, maybe another time, but there are lots of things that God forbids because they alter our consciousness. They alter our mind. They keep us from being sober-minded. Self-discipline is sorely lacking in the world today, even especially among self-proclaiming Christians. The lack of faith-based self-control leads to unsound minds. And that affects the body of Christ in a negative way. But I've also seen people who have turned fear into faith. And each of us need to be those kind of people. We need to resist and overcome the enemy of souls and those who push apprehension and alarm and fright, dread and terror. Those who turn fear into faith have sound minds. Because we don't succumb to that fear. You are of God, little children, it's written in 1 John 4, 4, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, not lesser. 
So if he is in you is greater than he who is in the world, why fear he who is in the world? Be not afraid. He wasn't writing to children. Even though he called them little children, he wasn't talking to children. He was talking to adults. But they were children of God who needed encouragement just like us. And every one of our Lord's apostles experienced fear. We know they did because we see it in the writings of the New Testament. But they overcame it. They overcame that fear. You think of Peter, whenever Christ had been arrested. Hey, he's one of them. No, I'm not. Yeah, you were. I saw you with him. No, no, it wasn't me. Yeah, he's one of those Galileans. I can tell by his voice. And he started cussing. It wasn't me. I don't know the guy. Three times he denied him, but he was restored three times by our Lord. We need to bury the Scriptures deep within our minds to bolster faith and overcome fear, to transform our mind from fear to faith. We need to bury the Scriptures within us. Remember, the battle is the Lord's, as it's written in 1 Samuel 17, 47. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I did a whole series of messages on the battle is the Lord's, and maybe I'll revive that again and revise it for now. Remember eight, Romans eight fifteen. for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now we see that bondage is a part of fear. We are bound by fear. We're set free by faith. But you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Fear imprisons, but Christ sets us free. Amen? Christ sets us free. Let your conduct be without covetousness. It's written in Hebrews 13.5. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Will not. Will not. Get these scriptures deep in your mind so you can call upon them whenever you come into a situation where you're facing fear. Hebrews 13, 6 is where we read, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I will not fear. Can you repeat that with me? I will not fear. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. That's tough. When you're facing things, especially the unknown things, it's tough, but we have to hold on to these words. The Lord is on my side. It's written in Psalm 118.6, and that's what's being quoted in Hebrews 13.6, I will not fear. What can man do to me? In Romans 8.31, it's written, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? And what's implied there is who can prevail against us? See, if God is for us, we prevail eternally. They lose. I accept the truth of what's written in Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Their righteousness is from me. Our righteousness 
is from him through Christ. In Psalm 118.8, it's written, it is better to trust the Lord than put confidence in man, even ourselves. And in Psalm 118.9, it's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes, regardless of whom the prince is. Then we want to look at these human rulers and say, yep, that's my guy. Oh, yeah, I'm all for him. I'm all for her, whoever, whatever. The Word of God tells us not to do that. God's Word will free you from fear. God's Word will soundly calm your mind. And I'm, I'm wrapping it up here, folks. In Jeremiah 1.19, it's written, The enemy will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Who's going to deliver us? We pray, right? We pray, deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Pray that. You can pray just that part. You don't have to pray the whole prayer if you don't want to. God, deliver me from evil. It's better to trust the Lord than to trust anybody else. For I am with you, he says, to deliver you. And then in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 11, it is written, The Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. You see, there's heaven and hell, folks. And there's a war going on. And right now, it's a war for your minds. You keep your mind on Christ. You keep your mind on God. And you will not fall to the schemes of the enemy. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resist his anxiety. Resist his fear. Because without fear, your mind will be sound, firm, planted. In the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the gift that you've given in protecting your word from all who would try to stop it from going forth. And Lord God, I know that this has been a hard message. And I pray, Lord, that you would seed it deep within our hearts, in our minds, that we would know that we can, in fact, walk with our heads held high and be not afraid. No matter what the world brings, no matter how the enemy tries to frighten us, terrorize us, help us, Father. Help us, I pray. Deliver us from evil. And all of God's people said, Amen.